Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to Box Office Bets. I'm Tom, he's Brian. Episode, what are we, three now? Four? Yeah, this is three, I think. Yeah. Three. Yeah, we did Barbie, we did Oppenheimer, and now we're doing Killers of the Flower Moon. And this well, we is kind of like... This is our fourth. This is our fourth. What else did we do? We did a holdovers, I remember. We did do the holdover. That was our first yeah. episode. Wow. That's it. You're never supposed to forget your first, and we... <laughs> we did. Thought, <laughs> we forgot our first. But that's because there's our, our movie, our, our brains are just filling up with movies, Brian. We can't contain. I'm up to 90-something. I, I was counting. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't think I've hit that number, but I'm definitely, I wouldn't say I'm in the at least 30 to 40 range. At that's, least. I mean, that's still a lot. And look, you, you have shows to produce, sports betting shows, and you have a podcast, uh, another yeah. podcast that you do. Yeah, so you're a busy man. So, yeah, it's true. yeah, cool. I got to try to fill these in, but you're you're yeah. do, you're you're keeping us up. You're I'm trying. Uh, I'm on I'm on your shoulders. That's I it. watched a lot of documentaries that did not make the short list, so <laughs> uh, we're trying to spend our time better, and we want to make you a better better for the Oscars that are coming up in 2024. Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, this is a heavyweight film. Yes, Brian, it is. Yes. Yes, a one hundred percent. One hundred percent heavyweight. I mean, we sat here. We just named off the, the holdovers: Oppenheimer, Barbie. Where's Killers of the Flower Moon ranked for you right now? Because I'd probably put it right there with Oppenheimer. I mean, this to me is and feels like a serious threat for the Best Picture Award. Yeah, it's definitely should be in the top five of most best of lists, just in terms of like an auteur film. It's not big at the box office, but really it's not a huge deal for, you know, a movie of this stature. Um, it has heavyweights like De Niro, um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and of course Martin Scorsese, which is maybe one of his last films he makes. And uh, I think he really cares about what's going into it. So uh, definitely an auteur film for sure, but obviously a huge grand epic that the Oscars loves. Do, do you take the four to one odds? I'm looking at its best picture odds right now. It's right under Oppenheimer. Uh, Oppenheimer is the favorite at minus 165. Killers of the Flower Moon plus 400. I feel like I would take that. I would like to have a ticket for this film um, heading into the Academy Awards show as best picture. Because I do think it could win. And you mentioned Scorsese. This could be his last hoorah. So is that something that the voters are going to think about when determining best picture here? I think so. Like, the thing is, is looking at the odds for best director. I mean, Christopher Nolan's at $3 right now. So (laughs) he'll probably win his first, uh, you know, directorial uh, award for, you know, at the Academy. So maybe, like, Killers of the Flower Moon, they sort of reward Martin Scorsese by giving him best picture. Uh, which, you know, would still be a tall task if you're looking at to correlate it that way. But um, I think it's a threat. I think it's a threat for Best Picture, and especially with preferential balloting, if this is one of, like, you know, like number two, number three uh, for everybody, that could, you know, push it over the edge because some people are big on Oppenheimer and some people aren't big on Oppenheimer. They, they kind of are put off that it was put out, you know, during Barbie. They think it just has this whole sort of phenomenon that's actually just riding the wave. But, um, you know, preferential balloting always kind of throws, you know, that monkey wrench into everything. So real quickly, I uh, don't want to get too off topic here. Looking at Bet365's odds, uh, Devon Joy Randolph, Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Minus 225. Uh, whoo! So she is dropping. Um, but, you know, we don't have to worry about that market here for the Kills of the Flyer. I, mean, I just want to throw that out there as I'm looking at these odds. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, but you did mention Best Director for Martin Scorsese. Uh, Nolan at minus 300 feels 
like it's the boat's gone on that, right? Yeah, like one hundred percent. Even need to go. So, so you mentioned they might give Scorsese his due here with Best Picture, but we talked about the screenplay category doing that. So there are no odds out for adapted screenplay, but do you feel like Killers might actually have a better chance at the screenplay category than Best Picture or Best Director? You know what? That's it's a really good way to put it. Um, possibly, I think it'll be nominated for sure because yeah. if it's going to be a Best Picture nominee, nominee and one of the top five best films of the year. It's really hard to leave it out of the adapted, uh, but adapted's a really loaded category. We have Oppenheimer, we have Poor Things, uh, we have you know, probably Killers of the Flower Moon. So it's going to be a really loaded category to kind of go through. I just sort of switch back to um, the uh, the odds here uh, for Best Picture. You, you, you said Best Top Five Movie. I, I, is it safe to say Killers is a top three? Yes, 100%. I, I always I, say top five to give myself some leeway, but definitely a top three movie <laughs> for me, for sure. Uh, me too. Yeah. What's my top three? I'd say my top three of the year is probably Oppenheimer, Kills of the Flower Moon, and Iron Claw. I really enjoyed Iron Ooh, Claw. I love how you threw Iron Claw in there. I, two of my top three are the same as yours, and you could guess what my other one is. Spider-Man. Um, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> we don't need to go into that. But I'm with you. Uh, top three film. I think it's a heavyweight across multiple categories, and it got shortlisted for best sound, best visual effects. Um, I think production design, costume design. Uh, cinematography. I mean, this to me feels like your three or four hitter in a in an MLB lineup, basically. Yeah, it feels like this is the only one. Well, there's maybe one or two other movies that can go up against Oppenheimer that have the caliber of the cast, caliber of the director, and the filmmaking aspects of it. So Technical. this film, yeah, the, 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 all the pieces put together. Like for example, Maestro, which we'll talk about at some point, just is really heavy in the acting. And not so much maybe in the entire filmmaking aspect of it. But we'll get to that another day. Um, but yeah, right now, I would say Killers of the Flower Moon at plus 400. Probably the best value, other than maybe poor things, going into the best picture category. And I think the director, in terms of real value, I, I think it's left the station. But I mean, yeah. it would be between Martin Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, and Yorgos Latima, I think, are the three of the big guys, which those yeah. are the favorites, right? And now. I mean, I, I don't know about you. We both seen poor things. I think it's. I think I will safely put um, Scorsese ahead of uh, Yorgos. I, I think. Yeah. I think Yorgos. I think there's a little bit more hype behind it than mm-hmm. what may have actually come out. You know, we'll, we won't go too much into poor things, but I think again, this comes to some of these categories, these popular categories is if you lean too heavy into the art of it. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You're making what you want to make. But if you're trying to win an award, you want to balance both the critics and the general public. And I think the general public doesn't do well with artsy films. You look at the artsy films the last few years, Power of the Dog. Um, What was the one last year? Um, Uh, Oh, my goodness. I have to think now. Yeah, that was the favorite for a while. Very, very artsy. But again, you want that balance of art and pop. And I think Poor Things was a little bit too artsy. So I think this also goes to the voting aspect. I think Poor Things is could be the number two film that you were talking about because of the, the, the voting for Best Picture. People are ranking one, two, and three. If, if you have 50-50 people ranking Oppenheimer one and three and Killers of the Flower Moon one and three... And Poor Things is just sitting there at number two. It could steal the Best Picture award. Um, I don't know about you. I don't think that could is going to happen, but I think it could happen. So it's just something to bear in mind when you're betting this Best Picture market. Um, regardless how you feel about Poor Things and regardless how you feel how artsy films do in the Best Picture category, 
it could steal. Um, Oppenheimer and Killers could just like neutralize each other and cancel each other out. Oh, for sure. No, like I mean, it's one of those things. Like Poor Things, like you say, a very artsy film. It's very specific in terms of its like direction, but. It really comes down to the taste of the voters. And again, like I haven't seen a, a lot of negative things about poor things. And again, this is just me like going through Twitter. Like there's plenty of things that people pick apart in Oppenheimer. It's also been out longer. But I mean, just give it time. Poor things, I'm sure, will get something negative written about it. But everyone's praising the direction. Everyone's praising uh, Emma Stone in it, which she's fantastic, which we'll jump into that, you know, soon. Yep. But yeah, I just it's. I thought Poor Things was good. I actually really understood the plot and also where the, you know, what it was trying to explain. It was really an allegory of what, you know, it was trying to, you know, depict. And I got it, which is good. I'm really glad that I understood it because it wasn't like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it wasn't like everything everywhere all at once where I watched it three times and still didn't understand it. Uh, <laughs> so it's very different. But uh, I think I think it has a shot. But anyways, sort of moving back to Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, I think these are like the big three that you have to worry about for yeah. Best Picture and all the other big categories. Yeah, I agree. I think um, also Banshee, Banshees of Inishiran is a good is kind of a good movie Great. to mirror for poor things where yes. it was a very art heavy film. Great film, but a lot of the general public didn't quite understand it. And I think that you know poor things kind of fits that mold and you and i sat here a year ago and we thought banshees could steal best picture because yeah um everything everywhere all at once and possibly a film like top gun might cancel each other out and then banshees just kind of is is there exactly uh, based on how the voting goes so we'll see what happens but you and i both like killers of the fire moon best picture uh at the odds given four to one just have a ticket on just in case let's move now to the actor actress categories um i know you're very particular so we'll just start with the best actress because i know you're you're chopping at the bits here i'll kind of let you take take it but i know you love lily gladstone at uh plus 125 i think that's great value but uh the floor is yours brian uh for best actress here for sure no i mean this market's been moving and i think this is going to be one of those markets that when we get to sags that's really going to tell us who's going to win obviously but you know right before uh but man it's going to be i think nip and tuck all the way until uh, the Academy Awards stage. Uh, I really enjoyed Lily Gladstone in this film. She really is the center point which the rest of the rest of the movie spins, the emotional center at least. Um, and right now, not bad value because she was minus money for a little while. She was about you know, minus 110 in that sort of lull between Kill Killers of the Flower Moon and poor things coming out. But once all the screeners started going out, once the embargoes were you know, getting lifted on poor things, uh, all the money started coming on Emma Stone, and she's now minus 110. Lily Gladstone is now plus 125. I would actually maybe wait just a smidge longer. Maybe Lily Gladstone gets to like $2. I don't know if it'll reach there, but because there's no big things coming up between now and nominations, I would say right before nominations, I might hit Lily Gladstone before nominations go. But she's you know was on that cusp of being in supporting actress or actress they ended up putting her in the actress category that's what she's campaigning for which i believe that is where yeah. she belongs she is the yeah. lead actress of the film um it's really sort of centered around her it's centered around leonardo DiCaprio's character but also it's sort of intertwined with lily gladstone and how she goes but there i can see there is a lot of sort of talk out there that there's a whole chunk of the movie that she's not in or she's laying in a bed. But I think she does so much with when she's on screen uh, is just so captivating, I think. So I really enjoyed her at plus 125. But 
Man, it's going to be close because Emma Stone is in every, almost every single frame of poor things. And I think right now yeah. it's a two-horse race. I think it's a two-horse race. People are going to say Fantasia should be in there, uh, Carrie mm. Mulligan. But to me, it's Lily Gladstone or Emma Stone. I wouldn't be mad with either of those winning. Yeah, I think I think 125 is fine value. I think I'm one of those people. I think Emma Stone, uh, for me, was the best actress this year. You mentioned the amount of frames she's in. Um, I didn't really think about that until you just said it, but that's true. Um, now, I don't think that's going to make or break the winner of this award. Right. I think Lily Gladstone still has a very, very good chance to win. Uh, and look, it's a three-and-a-half-hour movie. I hope you're not in every frame. Yeah. Three and a half hours. Um, I mean, Leo's in almost every single frame, but you know he's, yeah, we'll, he. Yeah, we're gonna get to Leo, but I I think he his performance in that might be the most underrated thing in movies this year. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. You mentioned Fantasia Barino. Now I just came out of the Color Purple. I think she was fantastic in it. Uh, I don't know if she will get ahead of Lily Gladstone. She should see a nomination. I think Carrie Mulligan is right there. I think Annette Benning is right there. You know how I feel about Tiana Taylor as well. I think she deserves a nomination. I'm willing to put, I put a 40 to one ticket on her. She's now down to 22 to one. I think there's a lot of value out there, but I think the likelihood still lies with Lily Gladstone out of all those names I just rattled off. And I wouldn't be surprised. Let me put it like this. Lily Gladstone out of all those names I just rattled off. Um, I would say is safely secure for a nomination. Yes. And so when you're looking at a crowded category, as you mentioned, this is going to be a dogfight to the end. Even though it's a two-headed dogfight, it's going to be a dogfight. Yeah. Um, I think of the names, Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone, Not one of the reasons they have the highest odds is because I think they're the most secure for a nomination. 100%. Um, and then yeah. the rest are going to be fighting it out, like Mulligan, Barino, Benning, Margot Robbie, we haven't even mentioned for Barbie. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. And now Anatomy of a Fall is getting tons of hype. So you have Sandra Huller in there as well. Let's not forget about uh, Kaylee Spanny and Priscilla. You have Natalie Portman in May, December. Uh, Lee is now getting a lot of hype between Kate Winslet. And then you also have Greta Lee in Past Lives. So I think it's really like there's 15 names that could be nominated for this. But I think the two standouts are Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone, and then it's the rest for positions three, four, five. And with that said, we've sat here and we said Margot Robbie does seem like a lock for a top five. That might be true, but I think the value that you're getting with Lily Gladstone is probably now or never. And then I think Emma Stone at minus 110, I think she's going to win the award. So I think that's cheap enough to have as a fallback plan. And then maybe go in a little bit on Lily Gladstone, or like you said, let her odds marinate a little bit. I just have a feeling when nominations are announced, Lily Gladstone is going to hover where she is, or it, you might see a two-minus value favorite in this category. I just I don't see it getting past two dollars, but I would take Lily Gladstone right now. Yeah, I would say plus two dollars would be anything more than it's it's not going to go past plus two dollars, but um, just maybe playing the game. I think um, I ended up getting Lily Gladstone at plus three dollars, which was a That's while back. Beautiful. Um, so I'm just saying for anybody who might be coming into this, you know, late um, right now, it's it's pretty good value. I think plus one twenty five for Agreed. one of the like, one of the big five categories is is hard to get, and for this to be this close, I think it's it's it. But yeah, I think this is a much less you know solidified category as you've you know, greatly explain that there's 15 possible nominations different than the best actor category, which I think there's kind of a clear cut, at least three or four guys we know are going to be in it. So yeah. I think rightfully so that Emma Stone and Lee Gladstone sit atop this, uh, this category. Yeah. This big mountain of 
unbelievable performers. And you mentioned best actor. I mean, you have Leo sitting there at five to one odds. Now, I personally think his performance was amazing. Um, I, I always go back to the trailer of Killers of the Flower Moon when uh, he, in that little snarky Southern voice, he, I do like that money, sir. I do like that it, money, sir. Chuckle. It's just like, you know, he's such a fantastic actor. Um, do we think he's going to get nominated? Because the Academy, they love nominating Leo, but they don't like actually giving him the award. And then you, you look at Bradley. Yeah, then you look at Bradley Cooper, Coleman Domingo, Cecilia Murphy, we both think is going to win this award. And then you get Paul Giamatti, Barry Keoghan, uh, the Bob Marley movie's coming out. Kingsley Benadir is getting a lot of hype. His odds are moving as well. So what do you think about Leo? I think he gets nominated. I think five to one would be nice. Uh, kind of like a dreamboat bet, but I don't think he's actually going to win this award, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that the Academy likes to have Leo there, and it's good that he's in really prestigious films, so it doesn't look so bad, because one of the things the Academy you know, is, it's a, it's a TV show, um, and they do like to have stars, but I mean, Leo, I think, I think Leo should be safely in the nominations, but I think he's, maybe, he's definitely going to be a long shot to win, just because there's so many great performances this year and so many people who are quote-unquote due. So, for example, like Cillian Murphy, we definitely know he's going to get nominated. Bradley Cooper, I think Bradley Cooper is kind of an interesting case where he gets nominated, but the film doesn't have a lot of really good hype around it. It's just around Bradley Cooper. But, I mean, Coleman Domingo, who's in you know multiple movies this year, being Rustin and Color Purple... I mean, it's really hard for me to see him not getting nominated in that category, you know, especially right now he's plus 500. I think Jeffrey Wright and Paul Giamatti are going to be very interesting. So, yeah. so who's are... in, who's out in your mind? And then we'll kind of go from there. All right. Well, I think, you know, Murphy is in. I think Cooper's in. I think Domingo's in. And before we hopped on, I said, I think Coleman Domingo has a great chance to see mm-hmm. two nominations in two different categories for two different films. Um, I think that's very possible this year. Uh, I do think Leo will get in. So I think he, there's your four. I think the fifth spot will be duking it out between, you know, Paul Giamatti, Jeffrey Wright, and Barry Keoghan. I think the other four are pretty safe to get in. Um, I would be a little surprised if DiCaprio doesn't get in, but also wouldn't be that surprised. If yeah, it really feels like that, doesn't it? Like, yeah. it feels like they they would be okay if because then that means that Jeffrey Wright, I think Paul Giamatti's in. So I actually like kind of looking at it and thinking about it. So fair. many people are talking about Paul Giamatti's performance in that movie. Everyone's talking about how he's never won an Academy Award. He's been nominated once, I believe, and that he's due. So I think if I'm looking at long shot bets in this category, if I'm not picking Cillian Murphy, I'm looking at Paul Giamatti at plus 700 right yeah. now. And he was Be- four yeah, exactly. Before nominations, though, you have to get this in before nominations because he's going to jump if he gets nominated. But... Yeah, he's already he's gone from ten to one. You mentioned now he's down to seven to one. And I think you know, I think Jeffrey Wright is a big X factor here. I would love for Keoghan to get you know nominated, but he's almost starting to get typecast into like a weird little guy role where he's right. like, like it's kind of you know. Well, one thing I do find fascinating about Saltburn, real quick, as I'm looking at these odds, is uh, Emerald Fennel's best director odds slash from 25 to 1 to 12 to 1. And I'm starting to wonder if it's because, you know, she does a great job in that movie as a director, but is it enough to get nominated? I'm, you know, her odds have cut in half. Oh, I know. There might be a lot behind Saltburn, though, and that could include Barry Keoghan here. And the re- another reason I think that's true is because it's on Amazon Prime right now, and it came out on Amazon Prime 
during the holidays when everyone is home and they're watching these movies. So I think Barry Keoghan at 12 to 1, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say take that, but to see him get a nomination really wouldn't surprise me at all. But I do think it's between Jeffrey Wright and Paul Giamatti right now um, yeah. in that fifth and final spot. And if Leo doesn't make it for Killers of the Flower Moon, that's when I think you get Barry Keoghan and Paul Giamatti possibly taking. It's just hard for me to sit here and think Leo doesn't get in for Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon. This feels a lot like when Denzel got nominated for Tragedy of Macbeth. Big heavy hitter name behind a big heavy story. And it did really well. So it's probably going to get a nomination. Yeah. No, I agree with that. It's really hard to keep Leo. Leo is in one of the, you know, more talked about films of the year. And he's not in the nominated process. I mean, as a nominee, as a nominee, really hard to believe that. So with that, uh, we still think Cillian Murphy is probably going to win this award, though. Yeah. And then we go to the supporting actor because you and I love Bobby De Niro in this. uh, But we see Charles Melton with DraftKings. His odds have Oh, my God. I just saw this. For May, December, yeah, you and I are not understanding. I mean, in fairness, Bet365 has kept Charles Melton's odds at 5-1. Oh, so it's not like he's moving across all markets. It's just for some reason DraftKings has felt the need to move him. Like, I sit here after watching Color Purple. I'm not sure Charles Melton deserves. Look, great job in the movie. Not saying Charles Melton can't act or whatever. I'm just saying, you know, of the five people that should get nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I look at Robert Downey Jr., I look at Ryan Gosling, I look at either of the guys from Poor Things, Mark Ruffalo or William Defoe. I look at Coleman Domingo. I look at Glenn Howerton from Blackberry. And then there's Charles Melton. So what do you think of this market? I see Robert De Niro is plus 350. Is that enough to take him? I think you and I are both in agreement that you should be fading Charles Melton in this one. Yeah, fade Charles Melton. I think he's just getting a, a big, just a big push of being it on Netflix. People you know, sat all weekend looking at this guy's face along with Natalie Portman and... <laughs> Oh, I forgot the other actresses. Julianne Moore. Lily, Julianne Moore, thank you. Um, you. But, man, I I like Robert De Niro. Plus 350 still here. I mean, it's still – I mean, Robert Downey Jr., let's not forget. We always start talking about these things. It's just sort of slash out the person who's actually the favorite because, you know, we, it's, we're not trying to bet favorites here. Um, but, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. does a great job. And, I mean, Robert Downey Jr.'s – Sorry, Robert De Niro sitting there at plus 350, who I think turned in one of the best performances of like the last 10 years for himself, yeah. including The Irishman. I think, I think De Niro did a really great job in this movie. I think he was so captivating. It felt like he was really spinning his web of all the, this entire town. And he felt very important to the film in terms of being a supporting actor. I think he did a really fantastic job in this film. Yeah, I think if you're going to look for anyone outside of Robert Downey Jr., because I think you and I both agree RDJ is going to win this thing. Um, but I think if you're looking for a name outside of Downey Jr., I think you start with De Niro at plus 350, and then you end with Gosling at plus 400. Yeah. Um, you know, I like Howerton, but I don't think you take him. I actually think his odds will lengthen if he gets nominated to, you know, probably like. 50 to 1, 80 to 1. Um, yeah, because he's 35 to 1 right now, and yeah. a lot of people have been talking about how great his performance was. Like, I think Blackberry's coming around. Like, I've, I've been on Twitter, on film Twitter, <laughs> looking around, and it's a great people keep talking about how Glenn Howerton, Howerton has been overlooked, and I think he's, he's coming. He might be able to sneak in there. Yeah. Because so right now we ha- we'll have Robert Downey Jr., Robert De Niro. I think Ryan uh, Gosling right. gets in. Yeah, I think Mark too. Ruffalo gets in. So we have an extra spot, and I don't know. It's... See, 
I have a thing with Ruffalo here. I I I am I actually like Defoe more in the film. I think mm-hmm. for me, Coleman Domingo has a really good chance to get a nomination. But then you're looking at guys like John Magaro and guys like Charles Melton. And you and I believe, you know, okay, do they really get in? But, you know, they could get in. And I think Glenn Howerton, you know, for me, is we've said this a lot, he feels like a Brian Tyree Henry where he could get in. Uh, on a long shot chance he gets in, he's not going to win. So it would be nice to want to bet on Howerton, but you really shouldn't in this market. It's, you know, more of the names like I think Gosling and De Niro for value. Look, if you want to spend minus 165 on Downey Jr., feel free. But I think you avoid Charles Melton. I think you you avoid... I know you like Ruffalo, but I just feel like him and Defoe kind of cancel each other out for this award. And then I think if you're looking at four digits as someone who could really win this thing, as much as I want to say Glenn Howerton, I think it's Coleman Domingo at 14-1 to 1, uh, for color yeah. purple. But I think it is Downey Jr.'s to lose. And the first person to grab it at plus 350 would be De Niro for me. So that's where I would honestly start if I'm betting this market right now. Wouldn't it be funny if they had like a market to make the nominations? They should at this point. You said that last week. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like finishing a podium result. Like in F1 or whatever, you know, you have top three, a top five or whatever it is. Like there should be a market in these Academy Awards where you're able to to yes or no, uh, Mm -hmm. do they get nominated? You know, if you want to use another, a different sport in a different market to mirror it, uh, you know, golf with make or miss the cut i think yes or no yes or just a simple yes or no will will they get nominated and i think you'd have a lot of you'd have a lot more betting opportunities for sure oh, yeah and you and i've also talked about over unders as a possibility as well yeah that'd be cool i think over under in terms of how many wins that particular movie gets is definitely possible it's not super hard to you know super hard to to calculate it's just sort of like props on a on a football game but i think like making the um the nomination is sort of like the will win the nfc north uh, for football or something like that it's like yeah. less less than the championship but another way to bet that particular team so yeah, i don't know this I is going to be i think an interesting category so as, sort of as the award season goes on but i think ultimately robert downey jr turns on the charm factor hits all the events and is able to take this category. So, um, not really any supporting. Ca- I, I know there's some. Yeah, noise. like Kara like Jade Myers kind of came out of nowhere recently, and she's popping up on the odds list. She plays Lily Gladstone's sister, one of the sisters in the film. Yeah. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if she got nominated. I don't think she'll win. I think you and I sit here and we say this this market's closed. Yeah. You know, it's it's Joy it's, Divine Joy Randolph. Is there a chance she doesn't win though? I mean. I mean, I don't see it. I thought Daniel Brooks was really good, but she only had really one capt- really captivating scene. Mm. Um, I think Blunt is right there, but I- I'm not seeing a carriage. Do we, get, do we get two nominations for The Color Purple in this category with Daniel Brooks and Taraja P. Henson? Um, are you asking my, for my opinion yeah, on this? Yeah, your opinion, yeah. Uh, I say no. Uh, if I'm looking right now, I think Henson gets left out. I'm looking at the names right now. From what I've seen, I think Randolph, Brooks, Blunt, Foster, and Moore would probably be my top five. And like just from what I'm reading from the odds. But I do think Penelope Cruz. Yes. You saw Ferrari. Yes, you, I, I think Penelope Cruz gets nominated as of right I now. I thought she was 
great in the movie. I thought she was perfectly cast for that role, and she does her, you know, pop off Penelope Cruz scene where she she has her Oscar scene where she gets in an argument with Adam Driver, you know, Enzo Ferrari, and totally believable. Totally get it. That was uh, a real argument. So I think she plays those types of roles great. So I think she sneaks in. I mean, 16 to 1. I don't think she wins, but, I mean, the Academy loves to nominate Penelope Cruz and never give it to her. So that's tough. (laughs) She is a threat if nominated, though. I mean, I I think when nominations come out and we, if we hear Penelope Cruz's name, I think we need to have a serious conversation about what her odds are to take because she she is a a Barry Bonds in the lineup. Uh, If her name is in the list of nominations, Mm -hmm. you have to consider it. And for that... Mother movie with the, the that where she got nominated for yeah. best actress. You we, you know we were worried the night of the Oscars. We thought it was a lock, um, and she, her odds started moving. She won an award, a precursor award, right before the Oscars. She jumped from the 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 very bottom to plus three hundred, and we were worried. So yeah, I think Penelope Cruz is right there. I know you didn't like Julianne Moore uh, for May December. I think I think she might get in. I think Jodie Foster is another one. It's interesting to see Rosamund Pike's name in Saltburn because I just don't think no, I think her sixteen to one odds are not very deserving. It's really interesting to see Carrie Mulligan's name for Saltburn on here. She was in the movie for five minutes. Yeah. Um, I think if you're looking at the long shots, you got Scarlett Johansson sitting down there at sixty five to one. But what about Rachel McAdams. Yeah, I was gonna bring her up too. I, I think overall no. Um, but if she does get in, you will see someone like Julianne Moore or Jodie Foster get bumped. I think your locks are your top three. Joy Randolph, Brooks, and Emily Blunt. Yeah. From there, I think it's a toss-up, but I would think it's Penelope Cruz uh, getting that fourth spot, and then, you know, we'll see. But, you know, we also got to view uh, the Zone of Interest, which uh, has Sandra Huller on the list. Yeah. That's getting a lot yeah, of Yeah, she's in both. Yeah, she's getting, it's getting a lot of yeah, people talking right. about her. Um, we'll yeah, Viola Davis at 10 to 1. She yeah, she might get nominated. I'm just not going to... Um, yeah, Eric but, keeps getting a push and, and, yeah, it's, I don't, and it's Trek. So, I think we've hit all the ones that actually have odds. Yeah. So, where would you like to go first? So, um, we did adapt. We did screenplay. We kind of yeah. talked about that already. So Yeah, let me, let me just say so, best song uh, shortlist came out. Oh, uh, where right. they, yeah, they, they shortlist. And I am not particularly thrilled with Killers of the Flower Moon actually getting onto the best song um, category for Wazazi, a song for my people. And look, it's just, you know, you compare it to some of these other songs, especially the songs in Wonka, which I thought were phenomenal. I don't know. I'm just a little irritated. It got shortlisted, and a few other songs did not. A uh, better place from Trolls was also better, I think. But I'm not sure it gets nominated. Uh, I think you and I are both in agreement that I think three Barbie songs get nominated. I think it never went away from American Symphony. By the way, Jean Baptiste was in The Color Purple. Shout out to him. He's starting to make a name in the movie industry now. And then, oh, man. You got the fire inside from Flaming Hot. You've got Superpower from The Color of Purple. Road to Freedom, Rustin, Quiet Eyes, Past Lives. I am not seeing Killers of the Flower Moon, although shortlisted for Best Song, actually get a nomination for Best Song. I think it was a waste of a shortlist, if, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was like, I believe it's the last song of the film where they're at, like pounding the drums and they're doing yeah. it's. It was a more cinematic shot than anything. And I mean, 
it's you know kudos kudos for the best song being actually in the film and you know playing a role but yeah i do believe that it is kind of a waste of a spot just because (laughs) again i think barbie's gonna take two of the three at least maybe three of the five yeah so two of the three uh three two of the five at maybe three of the of the five choices um so i think this is a category that's maybe you stick away from from killers of the flower moon and now you're basically handicapping which which of the two maybe three barbie songs is going to win in this category now with that said uh killers of the flower moon did make the shortlist for best score and I don't know what episode it was, Brian, but you know, I remember having this conversation with you, and I thought Killers of the Flower Moon had the best score um, with that that steady tone that bumped just throughout yes. the whole film. Reminded me a lot of the horn, that horn that I can't get out of my head in uh, All Quiet on the Western Front that just played all night at the Oscars after every category. It was just doom, doom, doom. Mm-hmm. So give me Killers of the Flower Moon best score. I think it mirrors that pretty well. Um, where do you think it opens if it if it does get nominated? Which I think it will. Well, I think the, the I, yeah. So I think Oppenheimer will be the favorite in terms of scores. So I think let's just put that at minus one ten for Oppenheimer, and then we'll work from there. Because <laughs> then we have Barbie, American Fiction, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Those are kind of the other projecteds. So where do you think Killers of the Flower Moon hits for best score? Yeah, and real before that, I, I think the ones I haven't seen yet that I think could be a threat. Um, there's two, the zone of interest and what comes out on Netflix soon, society of the snow. I'm hearing a lot of hype behind that. And yeah, if I'm, what I'm reading about the film, uh, matches what is being told as a best score nomination, I think society of the snow would be one to watch in terms of films I haven't seen yet. Um, I think Kills of Fire, you're probably looking at plus 125, plus 175, one, two. I I agree with that. Around there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, my bad. I'm sorry. I was just going to say in sound. So, like, you know, it, it's kind of doing well in some of these, you know, score and sound categories. I think sound, it's definitely going to get a nomination, though. Uh, but I think you and I both like Oppenheimer sound more. Yeah, just because it's it's a, I mean, it's a lot of practical stuff going on. <laughs> but, yeah, I think Kills of Flower Moon, you know, 150 plus 200, something around there. Because I think it is one of the better score-specific. Because, like, Barbie might get nominated for score, but I feel like that has a lot more... Um, not needle drops, but it has a lot more pop music, which tends to not lean a lot of score. It tends to, score tends to be a lot of originally made stuff that the academy likes to lean towards. So, I think I think I think we're in agreement. But I I like Oppenheimer and score specifically. Um, I mean, I could see sound maybe going a couple different ways, but uh, Ludwig Gorgensen for Oppenheimer I think is firmly in the driver's seat in score. I think I think costume design and production design will get a nomination for killers of the flower man i think cinematography will as well um i always my favorite shot i think of that movie is when the camera zooms out of uh bobby de niro trying to heal the sister under the tent and they just like that i mean that is to me um memorable and that's kind of what it's about you know making you know you know things that last uh in people's mind I think, yeah, the sound for me, I think, is going to be big for Killers of the Fire. I mean, I'm a little surprised it didn't get a uh, short list for visual effects, but neither did Oppenheimer. So um, a few popular movies there that won't see a nomination. And then did it get onto the makeup and hairstyle? Let me see. It did. So it did get shortlisted for makeup and hairstyle. And as I look through some of the movies, 
Uh, I think it did better than Ferrari. I think it did better than Napoleon. I think you're looking at Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Maestro as the four that will probably beat Killers of the Flower Moon for best hairstyle and makeup. Hmm. Yes. Um, just because I'm thinking like, oh, costume design, which is a different category, which that's going to have. So just speaking about this category in particular, very interesting that Barbie was not nominated for makeup and hair. Yeah, you and I are stunned that it didn't yeah, make the yeah, short I think me, you, and everybody else who ever watched movies this year uh, was stunned that that one did not get uh, did not get shortlisted. So really wild. But yeah, for oh my goodness, and, and might I also add Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three? I think every pundit had in their top three did yeah, not make the shortlist, uh, which is a shame because those movies did a great job with hairstyle makeup. Definitely, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, they have like this thing called the Last Voyage of the Dementor, which is weird that is <laughs> on the short list but i don't yeah. know but poor things i think actually might win this category um kind of keep going back to it but once yeah. you saw it and you saw a lot of the the changes in terms of um like william defoe's face a lot of the crazy things that are in his like atrium of weird things the entire world itself emma stone had a few things like on her neck and different parts that were like prosthetics yeah. uh i can see that maybe pulling away yeah i think the only film that could challenge poor things is maestro uh for yeah. this category yeah because definitely bradley cooper i mean by the end of the film um, when he was a much older man, I mean that that was a, that was an impressive, uh, impressive. Oh yeah, it, it it did feel like he was, you know, that was the old Bernstein for sure. Yeah. So um, we did make up in hairstyling, which naturally let's go to um, costume design, which Barbie sure. did get nominated there, and also Killers of the Flower Moon got nominated as well. Um, well, not nominated, sorry, uh, shortlisted. These are important notes to make. So how do you think it fares? Because it's going to go up against Barbie. Oppenheimer, Poor Things, uh, those kind of movies. Yeah, well, so for costume, let me pull up my rankings here. Yeah, I actually have Poor Things uh, as number one. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon, I have number five right now. I have it under Barbie. I had it under Wonka, Color Purple, which I just came out of. Um, and I think Poor Things for me kind of takes it. We, we've actually discussed this. Like, it, it almost feels this year like production design, costume design, and makeup hairstyle are almost like like grouped in this year based on like what we've seen you know like wonka has great production design it also had great costume designs barbie great production design also great costume design poor things great production design also great so it just feels this year like a lot of these movies are kind of handcuffed with these categories and i think poor things honestly is probably your likely winner and i think killers of the flower moon although it might get nominated uh i don't see it winning any of these categories quite frankly yeah i think the only thing that might be – the cool thing about Killers of the Flower Moon, it has all these very cool like Native American sort of flavors to it. But it really has to sort of balance between um, sort of like the uh, like Civil War era dress along with sort of the classical Native American um, yeah. wear as well. Which I think is, you know, a positive, especially in the scene where they have the funeral scene in Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, that's really cool to see sort of the contrasting things. Also, a lot of the big ceremonial things like the wedding between Lily Gladstone and Leonardo DiCaprio, you get to see those traditional Native American colors, which I think really lends to this category. So they, I mean, maybe the Academy of Orders really want to maybe 
reward that. But I do agree that Poor Things has so many different like Victorian style <laughs> outfits, which if if we know anything about the Academy, do something in the Victorian era, do something period piece, you're going to get nominated, you'll probably win. Um, it really just comes down to, I think, Barbie, Poor Things, Kills the Flower Moon. Oppenheimer is in there, but it just feels very kind of standard, like 1940s dress, which is yeah. hard to do. But I, I just don't don't see it happening. It really comes to me at this point between Barbie and Poor Things. It's like, yeah. do you get people who are really into the Barbie look and that they hit all these looks and it looked a certain way that they're all a Barbie, but they're all a very unique Barbie um, between that and Poor Things. So I think Killers of Flower Moon gets nominated, but I think it might be an uphill, uphill battle for Killers of Flower Moon. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it too. And then kind of going into the production design as well. I think, you know, Poor Things and Barbie kind of have an edge over Killers of the Flower Moon. I think Oppenheimer does as well. Um, you know, I would even argue Wonka's production design is better than Killers of the Flower Moon. So I think for me, yeah, these secondary categories that are not sound or score, um, that are more on the technical side of filmmaking, like production, costume, makeup, I, I think Killers of the Flower Moon will get nominated. But again, I think it falls short. And right now, I think Poor Things, uh, I think it takes production design, personally. Ooh, it's also the favorite to win on Variety. So look at yeah. you, Tom. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I, I just think all those very cool um, choices that they make in Poor Things really works really well. And Killers of the Flower Moon is very natural. It's more of what I like to watch, which is, you know, a big thing. So, like, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon are very much the patina that I like watching films through, like, the textures. But I can see them sort of rewarding poor things. So yeah, it's it's going to be rough sledding. Do you think this is sort of like it's kind of kind of funny, sort of like when the Irishman was nominated for a lot of a, a lot of awards and didn't win or, anything? Uh, yeah, like Trial of the Chicago Seven, where yeah, it's like it's and everything but not winning, bunch, but didn't win. Um, I maybe I think you know when you break it all down, I think it has probably two categories that it really could win. I think score would be one and then you know unfortunately it's look at adapted screenplay um yeah. I, you know i think it can be i think it is a better screenplay than poor things um i okay. think oppenheimer is the one though to watch for uh we'll see if spider-man gets nominated that would be one i watch for but outside of that i think killers of the fireman has a has a doesn't really have a ton of competition you know, we sat here a lot this year, and we said the adapted screenplay category is loaded. Uh, after kind of watching almost all these films this year, I would argue Killers of the Flower Moon stands above a lot of other movies. Uh, I just worry that Oppenheimer might knock it off its mantle, and then I don't know if Spider-Man is going to get nominated. If it is, it would worry me. But in terms of poor things, Barbie, Past Lives, Are You There, Gods, Me, Margaret, Ferrari, Nyad, Wonka, The Killer... I think uh, I think Killers of the Flower Moon stands uh, way above those other films. One hundred percent. Yeah, I I just feel like this is like it. It just sort of becomes a trend where the Academy wants to reward a movie for being great, but sort of the second place award. And I think this is where Killers of the Flower Moon might be able to do it because it's such a provocative book. They redid so much of it to actually make the story they actually wanted to make because I believe the book itself is actually told from the FBI's point of view and sort of trying to figure out who did it and uh, Scorsese started doing it that way and then redid it so he actually tells it from the Osage uh, point of view 
uh, and sort of worked it from the inside out, which I think yeah. is you know a, and it worked. a real testament. It flowed beautifully. It wasn't hard to follow at all. There were a lot of time jumps as well, and it worked really well. And you know, you mentioned it's kind of the you all you you know you almost won best picture, but you didn't. Here's the screenplay award um, for your troubles. And it feels like that might be killers this year if Oppenheimer is, you know, the big bad wolf entering the Oscars this year and is the the best picture, best director winner. There is a there is an argument and a belief to be made that Killers picks up the adapted screenplay. And honestly, you might open it at plus value um, as Oppenheimer will likely be the favorite. So I think it's fair to circle adapted screenplay for Killers. More wishful thinking would be best score. Um, and then I guess Lily Gladstone at 125 and, uh, and hope Emma Stone doesn't get that award, but I, right. I think Stone's taking best actress yeah. personally. So the cool thing about if Killers of Flowerman wins uh, adapted screenplay is that Martin Scorsese is one of the credited writers as well. So maybe that's the way that the Academy gets to give him an Oscar. So, yep. but I that's mean, important yeah. actually that, you know, I think that's huge. Yeah, I didn't realize that. And that is a way for them to also credit Scorsese with an award. Like, it wasn't your writer's award. You know, it was your award, Martin. There you go. Exactly. It's like, oh, great job. You you wrote it. Yeah. Which yeah. I think he's only written, I think, two or three movies he's actually directed, which is actually very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, which I didn't know that. I Like, I was listening to a pod or something where... He doesn't write a lot of the stuff that he does, although he has lots of input on the style, of course. But it's interesting. So we hit adapted screenplay. I think that's uh, it. I think that's it. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah. a, like a, a song or anything. Our favorite category. Oh, well, we um, went over. The, oh yeah, it does so- have a song. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. We went over that, but it's you know we. I, I just I'm I'm just not happy that it like I love Killers of the Flower Moon. I just went through a lot of songs like the chocolate song in Wonka felt like good afternoon for me last year. Like I, oh, I know yeah. it wasn't gonna get nominated, but I just wanted it to get shortlisted. Just someone show me that you're watching and listening to, to the song. <laughs> um and shout out by the way to Matt Lucas, big fan of the Great British Bake Off, and he does a tremendous job in Wonka. So I just want to give Matt Lucas a shout out there. By the way, just really quick back to best song on Variety. They have I'm Just Ken out and uh, Dua Lipa's song uh, Dance the Night Away in. So, you know, I think I think you're going to see I think you're going to see three, honestly. I think um, so. I all three so. nominated. I think you're going to see Jean Baptiste there performing his song as well. And then I think that fifth spot is open. I would hope I Am Dreaming gets in. Um, in that fifth spot, but I have a feeling Quiet Eyes might take it. It's a pretty good song and, you know, gives past lives a little nod as well. And then Flora and Sun. So this has two best song uh, nominations on that made the short list. The movie is on Apple TV, I believe, right now, but uh, it's getting a lot of hype. It's a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes, Brian, so we might want oh, to wow. get Flora and Sun out. Yeah, yeah be, be careful. Um, all right, you want to close us out of here? Take us home? Yeah, for sure. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Box Office Bets. You could check us out on um, YouTube. You could also check us out on any of our podcast platforms, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, so on and so forth. You could check out Tom on his Twitter, at underscore TJKC underscore, and then me at, at Brian Ortega LV. Um, you're on Discord as well? Is that what you want? I am. Yeah, I am on Discord as well. Um, 
I don't have, I don't know what the server, I think it's just TJK. Yeah, there you go. Well, follow Tom on Twitter, and then he'll tell you where to find his Discord. So, uh, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to tune in next week for our uh, next review um, of one of these Oscar hopefuls coming up this year. So, for Tom, I'm Brian. Have a good rest of your day.